Hello and welcome to The Handoff. It is me, Sam Farley, with my co-host and producer, Mr. Sam Leal Green. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, very, very happy that football is well and truly back. Uh, that week one was, I mean, maybe not the most polished football all, all game week long, but some, some pretty entertaining stuff. Yeah, it was a, a lot of fun. I mean, that the first half in particular on Red Zone was some of the shoddiest play I've seen in a long time. Um, it looked like it looked like preseason, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I mean, Thursday but night football wasn't much better. Good. Even having two of the best teams, Thursday night football wasn't much better because they had like what five turnovers, six turnovers in the first yeah, half. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about TNF in a bit. Actually, I've got something to say on TNF. But um, look, on the show, we got a couple of things we like to do. We like to talk about the hot topics of the day. We like to do winners and losers. And then we like to go through our very, very enjoyable DFS game before going into overtime. But what we're going to do first and foremost is we're going to get stuck into what is one of the most interesting topics, I think, of the day. So this is very much, you know, the intro was the a bit of bread. We had a bit of bread at the end in, in, into overtime. This is the meat. This is the uh, the ham, the cheese, a little bit of butter and some tomatoes because tomatoes in my opinion, are one of the best things to go inside sandwiches. But that isn't why you should contact us at the handoff. At Handoff NFL, for any any kind of questions you have, anything you want to say about what we say on here, we'd love to hear your feedback. So please do that. And myself and Sam are both on Twitter regularly, so look out for us there. But the game I'm going to kind of talk to you about, Sam, and I imagine across the kind of podcast world, Everybody's done their shows this week, talk about the weekend just gone. There's been lots of exciting topics to talk about. Talk about Aaron Rodgers, talk about, you know, what went on in that Thursday night football. I doubt many are choosing the Commanders against the Jags, but here we are. And I thought this was a really fascinating game. Obviously, the Jags over in Washington, it was the perfect time for the Commanders to debut their new name in front of their adoring fan base, their new uniforms, which I thought were fantastic. Uh, I think I made a comment on Twitter. I think they might now have the best uniforms in the league, maybe with the Chargers as an exception. Yeah, the, I think? mean, the color, the colorways are really good uh, combination. They're not above the Chargers for me. The Chargers, are, especially their powder blues, they're like, they're so oh. good. Like, they, have, they have two, like different um single color blue kits and they're both amazing but the yeah the the commies are are pretty close by let's let's look i don't want to don't go mccarthy here but let's not start calling people the commies um <laughs> especially in washington that just doesn't fly around here but we're going to talk about this game the commanders took a an early lead took it into the half the jags sort of fought back and then ultimately the commanders stole it down the stretch and there, there are a number of like really interesting talking points. But first of all, I think we have to talk about Carson Wentz, somebody I really didn't envisage being the first person I talk about after week one. But the guy was, you know, absolutely fantastic. Uh, 27 successful passes on 41 attempts, 313 yards, four touchdowns. And, you know, he wouldn't be Carson Wentz without a, a pair of interceptions thrown in as well. But he looked... I, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. He looked quite good. Well, I think it helped that he wasn't horrifically beat up this time. I mean, uh, he played for the majority of that season uh, for the Colts fairly injured after doing both of his ankles in week two. So, I, I, I mean, 
look, I'm I'm no I'm no NFL football player, but I feel like not having use of both your ankles would be detrimental to playing quarterback. Um so yeah, I think I think it was it was a, a lot of what he does well. I think, you know, you saw some of the Carson Wentz that we've really become accustomed to as well, um, with those with those few picks. Especially especially in the back half of the game where you, you feel like they had it just to close out, but they just kept on leaving the door open for, for the Jacksonville uh Jaguars to just get their way back in the game, even though at times they didn't really seem to want to get there with some pretty sloppy work in the first half. But the Jags actually came together in the second half and they looked like uh, a real football team. Do you What, what do you make of the Jags, uh, their first performance, even though there wasn't the win that went along with it? Well, I'm going to answer that in two seconds, but I'm going to tell you something that I saw about Carson Wentz that blew my mind. So I just want to share this first. Sam Hoppen on Twitter uh, came up with this uh, chart that showed the showed the pass rate over expected overall against pass rate over expected on first and ten. If you have a pass rate over expected on first and ten that's up at the upper end, you're generally a team that believes in your quarterback. You're really going for the pass. So, for example, two of the top three teams there are the Packers and the Bills, teams with with top top tier quarterbacks. The Commanders, ahead of both of them, the number one team for pass rate over expected on f- first and ten was was the Commanders, which I think goes to show maybe an element of trust in Wentz that maybe he's not had in a while. He didn't have it in, in Philadelphia at the end. No, he didn't really have it in Indianapolis, which no, he was he was there partly to... because of the ground game. Yeah, he was there to support the ground game. They they got they realized pretty early in the season that was gonna be how the how the game's gonna be played. But yeah, it was you're right. They did seem to trust him a lot. They put the ball in his hands, they nearly got burnt by it late in the game, but ultimately the offense played well. Uh there are a few very nice deep balls to a couple of different receivers. And yeah, like they, they got rewarded for putting trust in him. They now did, will but... uh, will that happen every week? As will they get rewarded for the trust every week? I'm not so sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they weren't playing the the best team in the NFL with all due respect to the Jaguars. But you you mentioned what I thought about the Jaguars, and I've got to say, this is very early days. I was really impressed with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, I know that was the interception at the end, but you know you got to you got to take into account he's kind of really pushing them towards stealing that win at the end. And I think in that situation, sometimes you are going to make some throws that maybe are a little bit rash and not quite as accurate. But he he showed an element of leadership, I thought, which I think we saw that down the stretch of last year, especially after uh, Urban Meyer left. There was a lot of talk about him kind of getting people together. And it, it really did seem like he was kind of leading this team. And I, as you know, Hold my hands up, I'm a Jags fan. I was really, really pleased by his performance because I have been starting to get a little bit worried uh, that maybe he was, maybe that he wasn't a dud because I don't think that's true. I think situation and landing spot matter more than ability with a rookie QB. But I think maybe, just maybe, there's a sort of happy ending to this story. But 275 yards, a touchdown, the interception that we mentioned. uh, And I I thought he was good. And his supporting cast... Well, let's talk about them for a second. Yeah, their support, the supporting cast. I feel like it's a it's a weird, um, a weird one because they seemed to play well, 
up until the point where they got in the red zone and there was just no execution there. And Lawrence was a little bit guilty of that himself uh, with the missed pass to ETN early in the game, which probably would have kind of, you know, changed how all the game unfolded. They really kind of got into it early. But they they were open a lot. They got a lot of productivity out of particular Christian Kirk and Zay Jones for, for his, uh, despite his end zone woes, he was fairly a good a good target at um getting six catches for 65 yards um yeah they they seem to have options which they definitely did not have last year throwing to Tavon Austin and Laquan the Don Treadwell yeah I think so you mentioned there Kirk was in the slot pretty much the whole game um there were some sort of thoughts going into the season that maybe we might see him as maybe an X receiver a bit more in this offense that doesn't seem to be the case here but I thought he was largely good, 117 yards on six receptions. You know, he, there were op- other opportunities for him that he didn't quite grab, but um, I thought he played well. Zay Jones, he was sort of leading the team for probably the bulk of the game, it felt like. Yeah. Marvin Jones popped up when needed. It just seemed, like you mentioned, for the most part, they were doing really good. They were moving the chains, they were getting downfield. But when it came to those clutch moments where they needed to be composed, needed to be assured they literally and figuratively dropped the ball. Um, And Travis Etienne did that as well. And I think that's one of those things that I don't believe they're bad players. I think this is is very much a confidence thing. But I think this performance would have given them some confidence, even though they lost. And going forward, they can learn from that. And let's talk about the running back situation at the moment, because Travis Etienne was drafted very highly in fantasy drafts, like a third-round pick in a lot of them. Yeah. And he only had four rushes uh, yeah. for 47 yards. They were, I think three of the four were to the outside. They don't seem to trust him going through the tackle box. Instead, they let James Robinson do that, who's very effective at that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure about trust is the right word. I think it's more that they value what Robinson offers up the middle and knows that that's where he can be productive. And they also know that Etienne will be at his best with a slightly lower um, number of carries, but a more explosive number of carries. Because he, um, on the ground, was four carries for 47 yards, averaging nearly 12 Mm. yards a carry. And that is pretty explosive. And in the air, two catches for 18, and should have had... It could have been, yeah. Should have had probably four four catches and two touchdowns, realistically. Um, He was... um... I've got to say, he did. He did also out snap James Robinson, so he was on yes, the field yeah. more. But obviously, in a lot of more of the passing situations, and so yeah, like he didn't quite um, didn't quite manage to get as much production as Robinson, but he did out snap him. So, would you be slightly disappointed if you took him in the third round of fantasy draft? Yes. Is he not? Is he going to be? ineffective this year in their offense no he's a major part of it yeah i think the way they used him utilized him in particular you can see they trust him when it comes to being in space being able to break ankles he oh, looked yeah. very good at that yeah. i think going back to fantasy if you draft him in the third round i think you've got a bit of a bust on your hands there but he's gonna be a guy that he's gonna either sink your week and get you four or five points or he's gonna win you a week and, and, you know, get 20, 25 points going mental. I, I don't think he's going to have the consistency that generally a James Robinson, like a grinder on the ground, will kind of do. Yeah. But very exciting times. I think, I think both teams are 
maybe better than advertised beforehand. Yeah. Um, let's quickly touch on the defense, if that's yeah. all right. Trayvon Walker. Oh, what a looks, performance! Yeah, <laughs> really looks good. The one real interception, deal. one sack, three tackles, and assist. Uh, like he was nasty, and that Jags front with Josh Allen as well. Suddenly, that's starting to look quite good, and that is you know part of the uh, part of the thing that the Jacksonville Jaguars need to fix this year. And and then ask you one more question before we can move on here. Uh, actually, I'm going to ask you two more. First question. You got the the weapons for the commanders. What do you what do you make of them? Obviously, Gibson had a really fantastic day. Fifty eight yards on the ground, seventy two in the air. Yeah, looked pretty explosive. Obviously, Brian Robson will come back from gunshot injuries quite soon. Yeah, um, and the receiving core, Terry McLaurin just doing what Terry McLaurin does, very effective. Curtis Samuel. Oh, Could he it, finally be, de- be delivering well, on the promise? I'm so happy that um, before we even get into, you know, the probably most exciting bit of that offense. Um, but like, I'm so happy that Curtis Samuel is healthy and actually able to play football. It's it's mm. just so nice to watch because he, he is an absolute weapon, as, as he showed. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think when uh, Robinson gets back from, from his injury, hopefully that's as soon as possible, that really gives them the element they're missing. It allows them to give more touches to Gibson out of the backfield. And he looked um, completely revitalized just with those touches coming um, uh, with those catches downfield. I think that that is the way, because he was a wide receiver in college and it blows my mind. They haven't really been utilizing him quite as heavily. I think it does mean that JD McKissick will get a lessened role, but quite frankly, I think that Antonio Gibson he he showed that he is deserving of those touches and they've got to find a way to get him the ball. Absolutely. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. But before we go, I'm going to ask you this one question. How many, actually, I guess it's two questions. How many wins will each of these teams get this year? Off the top of your head, what would you, what would you think? Um, so despite losing, I think I actually, Tell you what, no, I'm down on the Cowboys, and both the divisions actually are probably the two worst divisions of football. So I think they both get somewhere between six and eight wins. I'd say probably I'm leaning eight towards eight for Jacksonville and towards six for Washington. I'm kind of close to you, I think. Jags three wins last year. I'm going to say they double it and some. They're going to get seven. Yeah. Uh, and the Commanders they got seven last year. I'm going, going to give them a little hold. Maybe they can have plus one. Just yeah. Just because I'm feeling generous. Maybe maybe, maybe uh, it's a 17 game season. Maybe six was a bit too harsh. But I, th- I think that look. I don't think that realistically they are dramatically improved. Um, and I think that they will struggle, but they are not the dumpster fire I was expecting. I was expecting to see a team that would win a couple of games this year. Yes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're not that. And I think ultimately you can talk about coaching, you can talk about players, but as, as people who liked a bit of stash back in our day playing, we know that if you look good, you play good. Oh, yeah. And I think those unis are to blame for <laughs> them being half decent now. Yeah. But look, we, we, we kind of had a really clumsy sandwich metaphor earlier, and we're going to continue that with winners and losers, which is very much the hot sauce within the sandwich. Um, so 
I mean, if you've heard us on a previous podcast that we did, you'll know the drill here. We pick two winners from the week each, two winners from the losers each, two losers from the winner each. And, you know, we have a laugh on the way. So, Sam, let's hear your two winners of this past week. All right. Well, you've kind of alluded to it already, but winner number one for me is NFL Red Zone, particularly in the early slate. There were nine games in the early slate, six fourth quarter lead changes and two overtime games. I mean, the entertainment was just incredible. You had the the Saints versus the Falcons, uh, and that was an absolute barnstormer of a comeback. Uh, you had the great narrative of Cleveland um, just pipping Baker and the Panthers to the post, which everyone hated to see. But sometimes, sometimes the heels got to win. Okay, sometimes they got to win. Um, you had a kind of a weird spectacle in the Niners and the bears and the bears looked dead and buried at halftime they came back in what can only be described as torrential rain um that was and some of the some of the pictures from that game are just some of the most incredible football photos i've seen ever um you had um the the game where no kicker wanted to win with uh the bengals versus the steelers that was an overtime game uh you had the tie with indy versus the texans you had the Lions trying to, you know, doing their kind of same act as last season of give up a bunch of points and then try and come back and fail. Um, so maybe not the most optimistic there. And yeah, and the the Jags and the Commanders were were in that first slate as well, along with a few others, I think. Um, but yeah, just a really, really good set of games. And Scott Hansen was there. And I I love that guy. I think that's that's really when I feel like the football season has started when when I hear Scott Hansen um telling me that we have however six hours of commercial free tv or however many hours it is oh it's just just brilliant and my second winner is also a guy who played in that early slate it's michael thomas everyone was writing him off everyone was writing him off and probably even like halfway through that game everyone was still writing him off but now he comes up clutch in the ends and the connection with him and Jameis getting those two tds down the stretch and they were just it was against AJ Terrell as well, who, I mean, people don't might not quite have him on their radar, but he is one of the best corners in the NFL. And 1v1, he could not handle Michael Thomas. You can't guard Mike. Five catches, 57 yards, and two touchdowns, including the game winner. What a performance. He is back. I like those winners. In particular, I like your comment that it didn't feel like football until we had red zone. Yeah. And I've got to say... You know, obvious obvious reasons in the news, a couple of things happened on Thursday that I thought I just didn't enjoy Thursday night football quite as much because obviously the news had been very depressing beforehand and it the the vibe just was not really there. Um but Sunday rectified that with just a superb, superb slate of football. But I'm gonna give you my two winners here. And I, I feel bad because originally I had three, I had three. Marcus Mariota, you get an honourable mention. I really enjoyed seeing your comeback. Um, I think you were the prototype for, you know, had you come out of college two or three years later, maybe things could have been a, a little different. But there we go. But first and foremost, one of my winners of the week, despite his team not winning, it is dangerous Dan Campbell. Just what a guy. You know, the Lions, they're bloodied. They're bruised. They're, I, I, I don't actually know off the top of my head the exact how exa- how far they were down at one point, but they were getting absolutely tonked. 
Um, and it looked like this was going to be an absolute kind of walkover for the Eagles. But he rallied that team together and they only narrowly lost, um, was it 38-35 to the Eagles? Yeah. I love this Lions team. They have got so much guts and spirit. They are pure dogs. They've got that dog in them. Uh, (laughs) And my other winner of the week, and I was going to give this to Saquon Barkley on his own, but I'm going to give it to the whole of the New York Giants. Um, Saquon's return, the guy was absolutely brilliant. Like just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And he finally looks like he's back to the guy that I think any kind of real NFL fans fell in love with uh, when he was drafted. And then you've got a a few other guys on the team. We'll, We'll talk about them at some point, but Daniel Jones, I still don't think he's very good, <laughs> but I love watching him play. Like a Dan Jones game always has some drama and some excitement. And he's sneaky athletic. He's got a good arm when he can use his arm. Uh, and I just love watching Dan Jones. Oh, there, I said it. So those are my two winners of the week. Uh, so Sam, how about some losers? Uh, Well... Where to start with the losers? I mean, I think I think it can only be one team. And every year there's some hype around them going to a Super Bowl. And I am so happy that after one week of football, we can say, no, not this year. Absolutely no. It's them boys. Who them boys? Nah, get out of here. They were bad before Dak went down. Don't let them blame Dak's injury on that. No, they were dead in the water before then. Uh, he couldn't get the offense going. They, yeah, I mean, the, the Tampa Bay team is a good team. Don't get me wrong. The defense is very good. Um, but yeah, they were dead in the water. And a couple of that, Dax injury, four to six weeks out, they're saying. Uh, last time he got injured, they went on a four-game skid. And I think that I'd be surprised if the Cowboys are better than like one and five to start the season. And that'll be their season over. So that'll be a nice thing out the way, straight out the gate. Dem boys, they're they're done already. Um, now the second one is uh, Broncos country. I mean, you can't have an off season like that, Russ. You can't have an off season like that and kind of talk all that way and then lose to the Seahawks, the team you left because they were bad. You can't talk all that and then fail to deliver. And that's what it was. He was not good enough. They failed to deliver. Um, Hackett, the head coach. Failed to deliver, made an absolutely cowardly call to not go for it on fourth and five instead of kicking a forty a sixty-four yard field goal. I don't know what that's about. Um, no, no thanks. And the icing on the top of the cake was the fact that the defensive lineman Shelby Harris who got traded the other way after the game just absolutely laid into them, telling them that's what's gonna get if they trade away one of their best defensive players. And you know what? I'm glad he gets to enjoy that win. So yeah, Broncos country, specifically Russ, absolute loser this week. I like that a lot. So my loser of the week, I'm going to title this The Humiliation of Aaron Rodgers. Um, (laughs) Throw Rogan himself, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers quarterback, (laughs) frankly got embarrassed by the Minnesota Vikings. And I tell you what, I couldn't be happier about it. I don't think there's anybody I've ever respected as much on a talent scale, but thought was a, such a total tool. Like, if, like I, it's just incredible. The bloke is an absolute goon. Um, I, I had the mispleasure of 
listening to his appearance on Joe Rogan uh, about a week, two weeks ago, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Um, you know, we all see snippets of of things and they're often misrepresented. So I thought I'd give it a le- give it a listen. Um, I wish I hadn't. I actually felt less intelligent two hours later than I was beforehand. <laughs> it was awful. And this is a guy who, amongst many spurious health claims that he was coming out with, he was claiming that um, effectively there was a new world order and people, the, the 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 rich bankers were meeting up and deciding what happens to the world. He seemed to have no realisation of the fact he had any sort of privilege himself uh, and was just a dreadful, dreadful bloke. So I really enjoyed seeing him lose. And the eyes he gave Christian Watson after he missed that pass, the daggers were (laughs) so good. Like, so good. Um, So I really enjoyed that. I I think much like the Patriots kind of falling away now, when you see somebody who has been so good for so long on a bit of a decline, much like Man United in, in football, in soccer, there's something really enjoyable to relish about it. Maybe not for you as a Man United fan. Or a Patriots there is fan. Something you can You've just taken two shots it. at the two teams <laughs> of sport. Nice. Good point. Good point. Um, uh, so I relish that. That was so much fun to see. Uh, but I must admit, the flip side of that, he did have linemen out. And I, I've said before, I think linemen are the most important thing in the game. And the Vikings, I actually think we might have been far, far too low on the Vikings. I think they might actually be pretty damn good this year uh but the other thing i'm gonna have as a loser is people buying too much into week one we've done it before i've done it before you look at the box score on week one you start putting out awful statements i've seen people say the bengals were done at halftime i've seen Derek henry is done he needs to retire I've seen Damian Pierce isn't going to be offensive rookie of the year. I've seen a lot of spurious takes. I've seen a lot of spurious takes, people overreacting to week one. And guys, it's week one. Like Sammy Watkins, if you took week ones over the past decade, would be one of the best players you've ever seen. Like it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, that is it for me. So Sam, why don't you introduce our next segment about DFS? Yeah, so this is the return of the bargain bin. It's our weekly daily fantasy um, segment. Can I ask um, a question? Yes. Where would this stand, carrying on the sandwich allegory, wh- where would you put this in the sandwich? Um, so what have we had so far? You've got We've hot had meat sauce. cheese sauce. Um, I think, well, I mean, you've left me with, is this your, your sloppy tomato that you're putting in there? Uh, let's not talk about tomatoes, but uh, all very think, good. All this, very this, good. Is the, this is the veg. It's some, it's some kind of hearty substance. Yeah, let's go for that. It's good. It's good for you. Gambling is good for you. Um, yeah, I do not endorse that message. Uh, gamble responsibly, um, etc. Yeah. So, so every week we both pick a team, and we have ten thousand less dollars to spend on it than uh, you are allowed. So we're looking for the best bargains possible. Um, so last week, um, actually, I won by a crushing thirty points uh, with my MVP Christian Kirk, who I paid five point one for, getting twenty point seven points. Um, and yeah, he he absolutely demolished you. 
Um, we had some nice wasted money by myself. Uh, Alec Pierce, 3.9k, put up zero points. Some nice wasted money by you. Uh, Bellinger, your your hero of a tight end, 2.5k, zero points. Um, but yeah, Christian Kirk was, main, was the main difference here as both of us also went for ETN and Pierce. Neither of them really delivered without even them being like a major bust, I'd say. Um, so... This week, let's start again with the quarterback positions. The other thing that I forgot to mention is we have an upper limit of an individual player of 7,000 as well. So no going above 7,000 on an individual player. Just to clarify, our our budget is 40k of the 50k that is is allowed. Yes. Um, So, Farley, who is your quarterback for this week? I'm going for Danny Dimes, the most exciting quarterback in football. (laughs) 5.1 5.1k. <laughs> you absolutely love you, Danny Dimes. Um, okay. Um, I am going to go for actually the same game, different quarterback. Baker Mayfield playing against the Giants, who, you know, I think that they can get scored on. So he threw a few long balls. Let's see what happens there. Baker Mayfield going for a revenge of a failed revenge game. So, yeah. Let's see how motivated he is. Um, running backs. Uh, I'm going to go first with running backs. I have um, Chase Edmonds for 5.2. Um, he didn't get too many points last week. Had a, had a decent week putting up 10 points. Um, but New England were very good on defense, especially in the gr- um, on the ground. And they're coming up against Baltimore, who, you know, they might put up a similar tough test. But I think he gets enough in the way of uh, carries and also a few touches as well in the passing game to put up points. And then I've got Jeff Wilson for the Niners. They cannot be as bad as they were last week because I doubt they'll be playing in torrential rain. Um, and the starting running back, um, Mitchell, is out. So I think that it'll be up to Jeff Wilson to pick up the majority of the slack there. 5.1 for that. Okay, that's quite interesting. I've got Chase Edmonds. Uh, You obviously just mentioned him. Yeah, he was he was okay against the Patriots, not brilliant, but he did lead the team in snaps, sixty three percent, rushing share fifty two percent, route participation fifty seven percent, and target share thirteen percent. So he is a good value guy, and I think it was it five point two k, a nice little bonus. And like you, I've gone for a forty nine er against the the Seahawks. I've gone for a guy who was inactive last week, Tyrion Davis-Price. Yeah. Basically, I've done this. I had an f- inkling you would go for Wilson because I basically had Wilson and I thought I need to go for somebody that's going to be a differential if we, we have this because I think basically everybody in DFS is going to go for a Niners running back this week. Yeah, um, Davis-Price, I think Mason seems like a, a bit more... I don't know, he, he was there for special teams this past game as opposed to really be factored into the run game. I think Davis Price will be factored into the run game more and just makes a bit more sense than Mason. And ultimately, I still don't trust trust Wilson, so I'm going to go for Davis Price. But I'm going to take receivers, seeing as you have done that. And um, three receivers here, all four below average teams. Just to continue that Danny Dimes Giants connection, I'm going for Sterling Shepard at 4.9k. Nice. Um, playing the Panthers, I always like to have a nice kind of 
a stack with my quarterback and one of the receivers. So that's a pattern I generally do. And I think just here you're getting good value on a guy who, who looked pretty promising last week. Then I've got for, gone for Johan Dotson of the uh, Commanders against Detroit. He's 4.2, which I think is just so cheap for a guy who, I think, was it five targets last week or four targets? Quite a few targets. Yeah. Two touchdowns. And he does seem to be a guy that has Wentz's trust. And the final one, same game as that, is DJ Chark uh, for the Lions against the uh, Washington Commanders. He's 5.1. He just saw a lot of volume this past week. And I think we've seen in Jacksonville previously, you know, he's not the most exciting or fun guy to watch, but he does handle volume quite well. So those are my three uh, receivers here. Yeah, very nice picks. Um, So kind of I have gone for um, none of the same guys, which is nice. I've gone for Jerry Judy, um, had a fantastic week and still only valued at 5.6. He was he was great against uh, probably the the main bright spot of that of that Broncos team. Um, Do you think he's going to be the guy? No, I I still I still think it's Colin Sutton, um, but uh, price wise, he was better value. And I want to see because it seemed to work with Russ. Uh, when we get to when it was DK and Tyler Lockett, that each of them would get hot at separate times and it would kind of depend on who defenses were taking away more and they tend to take away the hotter guy. So while Judy's hot, I think I'll roll with him and then I think Sutton will get hot at some point as well. Um, yeah. Then I've gone for um, the trusty Jacoby Myers at 4.4, who just kind of catches some, like between five and 10 balls a game, never for any meaningful yards, but enough to, at 4.4, he's probably going to put up 10 points and he does it most weeks. So he's kind of a good banker to have in there, but he's he rarely scores touchdowns. So you kind of, you know what you're getting there. And then I've gone for, uh, for 3.5, Greg Dorch, who was the somewhat surprising um receiver for the Arizona Cardinals mm. taking up a lot of slack in that in that receiving game uh, just caught a lot of balls again and I thought for 3.5 he doesn't even need to do that much for me as long as he catches some more balls then that's all good um, so tight end do you want to take this one first yeah so I've gone for a guy I didn't even know his first name until earlier today a uh, guy I think he's drafted last year fourth round to the Colts Kylan Granson um, I love a little fringe tight end in DFS because I think there's always always an opportunity there. But the Colts are playing the Jags. You know, if Wentz can put a big number on the Jags D, then potentially we might see Matt Ryan do something similar. Yeah. And Grantson led the tight end room in targets far more than Mo Ali Cox. Mo Ali Cox uh, had two receptions on two targets. Grantson had three on seven. Wow. And you only need to convert a couple more than that and you've got, you know, an incredible performance. Yeah, what value so was seven, he? 2.6. Oh, that's good value then for that, yeah. So you look at the guy who got seven targets last week. If he got four targets this week, I'd say that's probably a job done at that price, yeah. let alone if he can replicate that or maybe even find the end zone. So, so for me, I thought that's steal. I think this pick makes me an overreacting loser uh, in the tight end slot. I've gone for OJ Howard for 3K. No. <laughs> I was just looking down the list and I was like, you know what? Part of it is because of, um, for those of you who know Farley, knows how long he championed OJ Howard for. 
And so I'd love to stick it to him with his own guy. But also, you know, if he's getting the looks in the red zone, which he might do now, then yeah, like it's it's still relatively good value. I was slightly running out of money. Um, so I was just like, oh, I need a I need a tight end there that won't cost me an arm and a leg and has some good upside. So that is um OJ Howard there. All I'm gonna say is he had a fifteen percent route participation oh, yeah. and only ran six routes. So I Hey, he's gonna run more if he scored two touchdowns last week though, surely. Yeah, yeah, you probably got a point there. I'm I'm I would love to. I'd love nothing more than COJ Howard kind of have a late breakout. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give you my flex now, and I've gone for a guy. I'm pretty certain I went for him last week, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I'm coming back there. I don't think the Seahawks secondary is particularly good. They they've now lost Jamal uh, Adams, and I think. I mean, talk about week one overreaction. Some of the stuff about Trey Lance was. I mean, bear in mind they're playing in a, a sodding monsoon. It's <laughs> yeah. just ridiculous takes. Yeah. Um, you can't judge anybody, no matter who they are, based on a game like that. And I think ultimately the same thing that I said last week, Ayuk is the guy who's going to get the deep ball there, I would say. And at 5.1K, I'm willing to see him burn off a few Seahawks uh, secondary members. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. Um, I am going kind of a similar strategy to you. Um, I like having a receiver to go along with my quarterback. I've got Baker Mayfield, so I've managed to fit in DJ Moore for 5.7. Um, oh, good price. Yeah, I thought so as well. The Giants secondary um, held up quite well last week, but it was against the Titans who don't have the most um, polished receiving core. There's a, you know, a lot of moving parts there that they're kind of working into the team. Uh, DJ Moore didn't get the most looks last week, so his price stayed at kind of a, a fairly normal level. Uh, but I kind of back him to succeed there uh, against a secondary that has kind of you know got rid of a lot of its stars from from previous years and is kind of very bare bones. So yeah, DJ Moore five point seven I think is is good value, and especially paired with Baker Mayfield could could do some good work for me. And now we're on to defense and special teams. I only had 2.2k left. So I went for the Cincinnati Bengals against the absolutely done Cowboys because, you know, they're going to have to run the ball and that's all they're going to be able to do. Um, They can't pass it. Cooper Rush, absolutely no way he's putting up points. Yeah, I think that's... I actually think that's a really good call. Uh, I've gone for... Let me just quickly grab it here. 2.8k. This is the Steelers against the New England Patriots. I did a little power rankings earlier on on Twitter just of after one week where I'm putting teams. And I actually have the Patriots dead last. I oh, thought wow. they were really poor. I, I the, the whole sort of coaching situation scares me quite a bit. Do they even know who's in charge of what? Like, it seems very disorganized for a, a Bill Belichick team. But for me, the Steelers, sure, they're not going to have what there this week. But... Uh, uh, there's enough about that team that I think they're going to have a, a good season and a good outing against New England. So what was your total altogether? My total was bang on 40k. Mine as well. Mine as well. Yeah. Exactly 40k. Uh, yeah. So it'll be be interesting now that we're both kind of right, kind of using all of the budget available to us. See if we can get a few better results than last week. It is. Well, look, let's go into overtime. This time, we're going to talk about what we're looking forward to on Thursday Night Football which is, of course, the Chargers 
at the Chiefs. So, Sam, I'll let you start with this. What kind of narratives are you looking forward to within this match? Well, I'm kind of looking to to the Chiefs' defense, really. And they played very well week one against the the Arizona Cardinals, against a team that, you know, usually start hot um, and... Um, but were obviously without um, Hopkins. So maybe they weren't the best test for the Chiefs. And there are a lot of... The Chiefs' defense is a weird one. They always seem to kind of pull it together late in the season, but struggle a bit early. So it'll be interesting to see against a Chargers offense who is much hyped in the press, um, how that kind of works out, uh, specifically how the DBs match up against Mike Williams and against the kind of the other assortment of receivers who actually performed really well uh, for the Chargers last week. Yeah, I think the Chargers are a really interesting one in terms of who's going to step in for Keenan Allen, who looks yeah. like he's missing. DeAndre Carter played a lot in the slot once Allen kind of went off. Yeah. But I've talked about this guy numerous times, I swear. Josh Palmer, I do think, is really good kind of third receiver on that offense and will step into that sort of second spot and have a have a really good day, I'm expecting, from him. But what I'm going to talk about, what I'm really looking forward to, is actually the defense for the LA Chargers, which I'm calling this now. I think they're going to be the top-rated defense at the end of the year. I think you have some a lot of talent, real playmakers there. Let's just go through a couple of them. Derwin James, I mean, we all know about him. Against the Raiders, six tackles and a sack. Khalil Mack, five tackles, three sacks. Joey Bosa, two tackles and one and a half sacks. I mean, there's there's so much talent across that D. And I think they're going to really step it up. And to see, prob- well, a team that I'd say they're definitely a top five D, a team that I think could be the number one D, see how they deal with Patrick Mahomes and yeah. the, the offensive mind of Andy Reid. I think that's going to be a fascinating uh, matchup. So we saw... We saw s- them line up CEH in a number of interesting places and try a lot of interesting stuff uh, last week. Yeah. And I am curious to see what he can kind of do for the, for the running back this time and how that Chargers defense is kind of going to get around it and, and lock it down. Let's quickly, before we go, actually, I want a little prediction. Um, Chiefs, obviously favorites, but where would you put your money on that game? Um, I think I'm. I think I'm backing the Chargers. You know, I think that the Chargers have a lot more to prove. Um, yeah, Casey did well week one. Chargers were in a in a tougher game, a uh, more competitive game. I think they they might be a bit more up for it, and they know that they've got to win that game. It's a kind of it's a marker really for the division, and if the Chiefs are kind of expected to win, so the Chargers really need to do something to upset them and really stake a claim to be the Kings in the AFC West. Yeah, I think this is going to be just the most massive game. And, you know, as an English guy, I know you feel the same here. When you have work on Friday or work on on Tuesday, it is sometimes hard staying up for those late games. But this is one, I think, Oh yeah. you know, if, if there's any way you can kind of deal with being a bit groggy at 9am for work, this is one you want to do it for because... This, this, is, this is one that you arrange to work from home the next day. Well, I would never advocate that. Uh, <laughs> you've got to work hard wherever you are, as I always say. Um, but look, that wraps up the handoff this week. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, tell us whether you agree with us. Tell us who you think were the big winners and losers are. And look, give us some feedback on the show as well. If you think it's great, you know, by all means, tell us that. But also, if there's anything you don't like, it's really useful for us to hear that. So please be sure to do that. Contact us on Twitter at 
handoff NFL. Um, yeah, so Sal, I think that just about wraps it up. It has been a pleasure as always, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.